Today's Coffee Shop Conversation is presented by Papa Murphy's Take and Bake Pizza. Love at 425. Welcome back to Cafe Artichoke for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation at Artichoke Music. That's 2007 Southeast Powell Boulevard. I'm Tom D'Antoni, as you may know, and the emphasis today is on versatility because our guest, Cal Scott, has written music for TV and documentaries, is a singer-songwriter who is part of the Songwriter Circle, appearing here at Artichoke on Monday, February 3rd. He also was the musical director for the beloved Oregon Trail Band, which fans are missing greatly since they stopped playing over a year ago. He has brought his guitar with him today, and I don't think we'll have too much trouble getting some music out of him before it's over. So let's get started. Meet Cal Scott. Cal, welcome to Artichoke Music in the cafe here. Thank you. Glad to have you. Thank you, Tom. Uh, you're no stranger to this place. Yep. <clears throat> Yep. You played here before? I have not. I really? have not played in this location. Oh, Pl- the played one, in the yeah. old location several yeah, times. Yeah, uh, yeah. but uh not this one. I've been here to hear some shows and mm-hmm. and we're doing a our uh singer songwriter um songwriter circle here for the first time mm-hmm. uh coming up the first Monday of uh, February. Nice. Nice. What is that? Well, my pal Richard Moore and I uh started this uh, uh, this idea with our friend Matt Miner who who sort of promotes and produces uh-huh. and this is like we're in our eighth year wow. and uh, we we Richard and I are our anchors and uh, and then the we have a, a guest special guest every every time we do it every other month uh-huh. and it's eight years it's almost always sold out we started uh, over at uh, Alberta um, Pub, uh-huh. but we just did one or two shows there, and then um, then we moved it over to, uh, to O'Connor's, oh. the Vault, and we, that was rate. our home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And that was our home. We we just loved it over there, and very small, very intimate, like uh-huh. like Artichoke is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we did God, we did. Like, this is our eighth. We're into our eighth year. Wow. So and it's it's uh, songwriters in the round. Uh-huh. So it's a you know a, a format that got popularized by the um in nashville at the bluebird cafe mm-hmm. where the you know mm-hmm. you, the s- songwriters sing their own songs yeah, yeah and yeah, uh so yeah. we have uh uh each set we do about uh three of our own tunes all three of us mm-hmm. and we just rotate and when we usually finish every set with uh, uh some cover that we can harmonize on and uh-huh. have fun with uh-huh. so but it's not an open mic it is not an open mic. Okay. No, not it's not an open mic, and uh, we are. Uh, th- those can be interesting, but but uh, uh, really unreliable. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> and and uh, this is a really uh, our audience knows that this is going to be a great show because uh-huh. Richard and I we do our own tunes, but we also once in a while we'll do a wacky cover thrown in, and uh-huh. Richard's a, a great guy, funny guy, and. Uh-huh. So, uh, we did, like he and I have been playing together off and on since college, and that's really? a, that's a long time. Wow. Yeah, we knew each other at Lewis and Clark College in uh, mm-hmm. seventy uh, started in sixty eight. Wow! So yeah, we're old, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so but we're we both uh, done just all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, had mm-hmm. a uh, my own career has been serpentine. 
West. <laughs> That's entertainment. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. Everybody I know who's made a living yeah. in the music business mm-hmm. uh, has uh, their hands in several different pots. Well, sure. Because you got to, you know. Yeah. Right. right. You know. Mm. You know, and and, and you, you can have millions of plays on 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 internet uh, sites and get 15 cents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a guy come up to me and says, "You should get on Spotify. It'll oh, yeah. it'll really really help." I'm going, "Okay, yeah, great. I am on Spotify and I get, you know, 25 cents a year from it, you know. And it's a uh, it's all going into my retirement account." So, you know. <laughs> anyway, so how did you, how, so you, you, you two met at, at, at college? Yeah, Lewis and Clark College, yeah. And in, in a, like a coffee house situation? Yeah, or? well, we were two guys on campus that played music. And uh-huh. so we kind of connected with each other and, and uh, we, you know, we'd sing in the stairwell, which was the biggest, uh-huh. the big echo chamber over there. And then <laughs> there was a woman named Marky Post who became a. A pretty famous actress in later yeah. later life. She was there at the same time, and so the huh. three of us had a little trio, and uh-huh. you know we'd do, you know Crosby, Stills and Nash, and uh-huh. other kinds of harmonizing uh-huh. kinds of things. And were you uh, was they called folkies? We were definitely folkies. All right, absolutely. <laughs> I was definitely a folky, uh, and I was sort of a campus protests singer kind of a guy. Really? Yeah, I did of what variety? A Phil Oaks or a... yeah, I did. I did a couple of Oaks tunes and a, mm-hmm. a, a Dylan tune or two, and I did uh, 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 some of my own stuff. Do mm-hmm. you know Richard Mimi Farina? Sure. Did a, did several Richard Farina tunes. So, and I was a finger picker. I was uh-huh. uh, uh, in those days, kind of just beginning. But I was, you know, that became an obsession for uh-huh. a certain part of my uh-huh. career. Into uh-huh. Kotke and Fahey and Bert, oh, yeah. Bert Yanch and. Yeah. Did you ever ever did you ever know Fahey? Went, no, I met him a few times but didn't yeah. really know him. Okay. You know. <laughs> yeah. I guess Terry Robb is the guy that Terry's, talked about Yeah, that. you gotta talk to Terry about that <laughs> about that stuff. Yeah. So anyway, Richard and I knew each other then mm-hmm. and, and and uh we were uh in a band for a little while together and then kind of did our own thing. We both of us got into um media. Mm-hmm. I was I got uh kind of by by chance got into writing music for film uh-huh. uh i got uh <clears throat> i had a band there was a club called frankenstein's in the old days <laughs> downtown and it was the hip spot the happening spot and everybody had a um one of those uh, gigs where every band had a night uh-huh. and it was you know forever if you unless you got fired or you quit <laughs> and uh i got a a, a pal of mine uh was uh, managing the place, and he says the Tuesday night slot, slot is opening. Uh-huh. Do you want to come down and audition? And I said, why? Why would they hire a single folky guy like me? It's all bands. Yeah. It was sleazy pieces and Doctor yeah. Corn and uh-huh. and uh, all those kind of guys and and uh, Sunnyland band. And he says you should come down and audition. So I did, and I got the gig. <laughs> so I'm in the last quarter of my senior year and uh, at college, and now I'm thrust right into the middle of the the uh hip portland music scene wow. and i got to know all those guys as a result of just doing that huh. so now did you do protest songs there or what, what no did, i was what doing did you do? i was doing all sorts of sort of folky singer songwriter songs uh-huh. 
you know, uh, like I Tom did Paxton stuff. I and, did Paxton. Yeah. I did Dylan. I did my own tunes. Mm-hmm. I did uh, Eric. Truth with all its far out schemes, let's time decide what it should mean, not the time. Yeah, whatever his name is. Eric von Schmidt? No, no it wasn't von Schmidt. Eric von Zipper? No. Yeah, I knew <laughs> I knew about about all those guys. And I did finger picking stuff. I yeah. did I did Eric Cot- Anderson. Eric Anderson, yeah. Cotkin Cot- Fahey and some of those guys, you know. Eric Anderson came through here a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that for a while and then I started a band uh-huh. that took over that Tuesday night slot called Moonstone and we mm-hmm. were you know had a career for a while and folk rock folk rock yeah birds we did uh, a bird tune or two we uh-huh. did some Joni tunes we did yeah. we also we also were were uh in our naivete fearless and we <laughs> we we did uh, uh we did a Chikoria tune or two Whoa. yeah and uh, like uh, from the like th- Bossa this, Nova period, this was uh, with, with uh, there was a tune called uh, God was one of his earlier, earlier records, and the tune was called Gihira, G U I J J I something like that, yeah, Gihira. Yeah. Anyway, a Latinish sort of a tune, uh-huh. and we did that. And uh, like when when Floro Purim was singing before with that, oh, actually, gotcha. yeah, gotcha. before that, uh, Light as a Feather record, oh, yeah, yeah, so uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. I, I was doing that and writing a lot of material, uh-huh. doing that stuff, and uh, the uh, we had a pretty good following. And uh, this guy named M.L. Um, Marsh, uh-huh. who was one of the first disc jockeys at Kink, uh-huh. and then when they first started out, was a fan. Uh-huh. And he would come down and hear us. And he, uh, they did, we did several live remotes on Kink. That's nice. Live, you know on. They would come down, mic us up, and or you know our sound guy would give him a feed. And um, yeah. anyway, this friend of his, this guy named Mike McLeod, was a was a shooter, a, a cameraman at KGW, uh-huh. and he was leaving the business and started making his own films. And uh-huh. he asked ML to say, "How could I find somebody to do music for this little film I'm doing?" Uh-huh. And ML says, "I know this guy, Cal Scott. He writes cool music. You uh-huh. should talk." Uh-huh. We did, and that was like. Wow. 90 degree change in my huh. career so that started me off huh. writing music what that led had to you ever one. been interested in, in writing music for films not really really I've been no. a composer all my life yeah you know my uh, my parents are both musical so I've been writing mm-hmm. music since I was a kid uh-huh. but never did it never thought of writing music for film but uh-huh. this was a just a cool little thing and then I did that film and then another one and then pretty soon it was my Day job. Now, when you say writing music, are you meaning? Do you mean actually notating or just making up tunes? Both. Ah. You know, when I came up, it was uh, pretty much in the in earnest. When I came up, was in the eighties, and that was the very beginning of the computer. Yeah. uh, uh, How important it was to film film writing, and I I had one of the first computer-based systems in in Oregon. Really, was built on an Atari platform. And uh, so I kind of got into it on that level. And so I, you know, I learned all about samplers and mm-hmm. all of that kind of stuff. And I play several instruments. So whatever I couldn't play, I would do that or hire out players. Sometimes mm-hmm. it required mm-hmm. writing it out. And, and often yeah. it was just play, play this. Yeah. You know, I can yeah. do that. And I did, I did score it out when I needed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, do you prefer, when you're doing that kind of work, do you prefer... Um, 
writing to existing images? Yeah, that's you know. almost the okay. entirety of it is that way. All right. Um, there's a lot more uh, sort of licensing going on now. Yeah. But in in my career, uh, it was always to the picture. You uh-huh. always get a, a, yeah. a you know a, a fine cut is in the in the in the parlance. You know, uh-huh. you could you, sometimes a rough cut, but usually a fine cut. So the picture was pretty much locked. Uh-huh. And then you'd sit down with the director and say, okay, where do you want the music and what do you want it to sound like? What's the scope of it? Is yeah, it small? Yeah. Is it big? You know, what do you, yeah. what is it supposed to do? And, and most all of it, Tom was documentary stuff. Yeah. Almost all. Yeah. But I did lots of other little commercial projects through the years and mm-hmm. different kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. but a whole bunch of stuff for, for PBS. And do you have a favorite of the stuff I did? Yeah. Um, I did a bunch of historical pieces, uh, for the, for PBS, um, one was called Sinking of the Lusitania, uh-huh. and one was called The Bay of Pigs, uh-huh. and uh, another one was about the troubles in Northern Ireland, uh-huh. or in Ireland, not yeah, just Northern yeah, Ireland. Yeah. Those three would be my favorites. Uh-huh. Um, when I did the one about uh, Ireland, uh, I wanted to base it on traditional Irish yeah. stuff, and I knew people there's a guy named kevin burke who's a, a uh, one of the been very on this podcast i did tv stories on him i know, I know kevin he, yeah he's one of the very very top irish fiddlers in the world in and the hap- world yeah and happens to live here and um a very interesting guy to talk to really interesting guy yeah. and uh so i called kevin i didn't know him i got his number and called uh-huh. him asked him if he would consult and play so we took these all these traditional irish the tunes uh-huh. And then I took the themes out of them and made them into film score. Mm-hmm. And he played the fiddle parts on them. Ah. And uh, that's how I met him. Yeah. And then a few years after that, he said, well, you want to get together and do some recording? And I'm going, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we did that for a while. And he says, well, how would you feel about doing a CD with me? Wow. And uh, uh, I said, well, yeah, I'd love to, but... Why me? I mean, uh-huh. I don't play that style. Uh-huh. And he says, because you don't play that style. Uh-huh. And you'd bring something different to the mix. <laughs> that sounds like Kevin. Yeah. So we did. <laughs> so we, on over several years, we did the first record. Um, and then when it was finished, he says, well, let's go tour it. So we did. Wow. And uh, so that was uh, uh, called Across the Black River. Uh-huh. It was released in seven oh seven. And New York Times reviewed it as one of the top world music a- albums of the year. Uh-huh. And we, I toured with them on and off for, oh, geez, seven, six, seven years. Wow. And we did another CD. Yeah. yeah. And so I got yeah. to, you know, that was a whole other sidelight of this yeah. crazy career, you know. Yeah. Now, had you been playing Celtic music before that? Never. Really? No. Wow. Never. I mean, uh, not uh, even any, when you were a folky, not even any... Well, yeah. And Tommy well, make them. Y- yeah, yeah. Not that stuff. No, we, I learned uh, stuff. Uh, from, you and McCall from not that from the Pentangle. Oh yeah, you know. Oh uh, yeah, Fairport yeah, Convention yeah, Pentangle. Yeah, yeah, I was way into those guys. They were cause, beautiful because Renborn and Bert Yanch were in, yeah, yeah. in those things. And Sandy Denny. I mean, God, right. an incredible singer. Yeah. So, but I knew a little. I mean, I'm a 
an accomplished acoustic guitar player, so mm-hmm. I knew kind of how. I, I learned to do the big strum from Richie Havens. <laughs> you know, and that's, I mean, people say, well, how'd you learn to play Irish? with Richie Havens, you know? And they go, what the hell does that mean? But, you know, that, just that big strummy thing, and, and then I went to school with Kevin, you know? I just said, well, yeah. point me, you know, who, who, who should I listen to? And he started naming off all these people. Yeah. And um, Michal Abdominal, who was the big, most one of the biggest influential bands in that in the what became modern Irish music was a band called Bothy Band, ah. and that Kevin was in that with Michal and yeah. uh, Michal <clears throat> was one of those guys that started that whole um, Dad Gad strum strummy thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, I went to school, started listening to him. Wait a minute, Dad Gad. Dad Gad is a, is a tuning, a guitar tuning. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, and it's it just it's a sounds like how it's spelled from bottom to top d a d g a d and it's an open sort of modal tuning uh-huh. so it creates a really a uh, lot of sustaining strings and stuff uh-huh. um, and a lot of the Irish guys use that uh-huh. uh, and Michal and Dothy Sprawl and a couple yeah. others yeah. sort of invented yeah. it yeah. Yeah. anyway. <laughs> Did you have to woodshed a lot to? Oh to, yeah, to, to, you to, kidding? To pick that up? Oh yeah, yeah. I went yeah. to school. I mean, <laughs> just started buying records, listening to records, and and learned to do this thing. And then the tunes that we did, I of course knew those. But I just to learn to, to play them correctly. Uh-huh. You know, I'd I'd say, well, how about this? And Kevin will, well, you know, that's that's nice but how about more like this you know and so yeah so in those period it was great it was so much fun yeah, just learn yeah. all that stuff do you, you know? still incorporate that at all mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah I don't uh, I just finished uh, finishing a project with Kevin about some another some guys are putting poems of Yeats to music really and uh, they asked Kevin to participate and he asked me to do the arrangements for the three that that uh that uh, he's involved What's in. What's the instrumentation? The ones that, we're actually only doing two. Uh-huh. Uh, they pulled the plug on one of them, but the, one of the tunes is uh, piano, guitar, bass, fiddle, and vocal. Nice. And then uh, the other one is just uh, a harp uh-huh. and fiddle and vocal. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I wrote the harp. harp. Harp meaning stringed harp or harmonica? Yeah, yeah. Well, Kevin said that. We should just give him a blues harp. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't this what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's uh, well. You know, we just did the whole thing with, with like all these harmonica players, and they all use the word harp. Exactly. You know? Well, <laughs> this is a traditional uh, Celtic harp, yeah. uh, and I, I, uh, I know a woman who's a very good harp player, and so mm-hmm. I wrote a wrote a part for her, and she came in and played it brilliantly, and then yeah. added her own, you know, enhanced harpness to they it. They have so. harps. They have harp concerts in here. In yeah. artichoke, yeah, yeah I, I haven't I haven't been to one, but I have I've seen the posters. Yeah, <laughs> I actually met the harpist. It's a whole thing, you know. Door. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. there's a uh, Turlock o- O'Carrollan, an, an uh, mm-hmm. Irish harpist from like 1700s, huh. uh, was wrote a whole bunch of music, and uh, there that's carried on in the tradition. Huh. There, um, I have two CDs. I should have brought you them. Two two CDs with Kevin and and. And then on my record, on my songwriter record from 2013, is a tune that he and I wrote together about his upbringing. Ah. So, and uh-huh. that's, uh, so that's about as much as I delve into it these days. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. 
Well, okay, cool, great. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Are you, what, what are you writing about these days? Yeah, great question. Um, and are, are, and you, you, of course, you, you're writing lyrics too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, uh, the newest tune is a sort of a is an is an environmental kind of a tune. Uh-huh. The, the uh-huh. uh, you know the premise is what uh, if if you are a parent with young children. Uh-huh. And the children are going. This all this environmental stuff is scaring the hell out of me. Yeah. What do you tell them? Right. So uh, that's what the newest tune is about. And uh, and do you have the answer to that? Yeah. The, the answer is in the children, not us. We've uh-huh. we've. Yeah. It's kind of too late for our generation. Right. Um, right. Uh, Greta Thornburg. <laughs> she's right. the answer. Yeah. You know, yeah. She's yeah. the answer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, another recent tune is one I wrote with Richard. Uh, it's called uh, "More Than Any Man Could Ask," and it's a kind of a uh, walking down the street, seeing a, a a guy who's a little bit down on his luck, and you kind of tend to go, uh, uh, t- you know, a, a lot of times we tend to just walk on the other side of the street than yeah. then encounter someone who's less fortunate than us. Uh-huh. But I walked with you know up to this guy and watch him for a while it turns out this guy was reading oh <laughs> he was reading uh steinbeck huh. and he had this very well-groomed little dog at his feet uh-huh. and so i wrote a tune i sat down and wrote a tune and richard and i collaborated on the on the some of the lyrics most of the lyrics are mine but then i said richard he, he, write the music so he did the music on this <laughs> tune so that'll those two tunes will both be on a new cd whenever it Whenever it gets done. wasn't Travels with Charlie, was it? No, it was not. I had the dog. No, it was not. Yeah. <laughs> so that stuff, you know, some of the new stuff is a little more electric. My current mm-hmm. band is is uh, kind of bringing back some of the... I played electric jazz for a number of years. Really? And... Uh, what, what kind? Like for... Uh, well, it would be on the... Uh, it would be called fusion, but it was more melodic than uh-huh. that. It was kind of R and B ish based stuff, uh-huh. soul jazz, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And I uh, played around town uh, quite a bit for a number of years. Had a great band. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, that's come- was it was it under your under your name or was it the, the under band my the name? name. Oh, under okay. my name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, after we get done, I'll, I'll send you all these records. Okay, I got lots of souvenirs. Good. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and and we played. Well, in, if you've been around long enough, you tend to tend to collect souvenirs. God. I, I I I was I was in the in, in the store in my storage area not long ago, and I I ran across a box and it had all these air checks, yeah, and stuff from shows I did twenty three years ago before I moved here twenty four years ago, mm, yeah, and stuff like that and, and uh, I, it had my interview with Leon Redbone, yeah, and they're all cassettes you know, yeah, yeah, and the other day I'm in the car and and my, I have an old car. And it has a cassette, has a cassette player. player. It has a cassette player. <laughs> yeah. And and I didn't know what was on this one, and yeah. I put it in, and it was. I went, oh, oh, it, it was, it was, it was a love song that an ex had had sent me. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. I mean, it was good, but yeah. it was, it was, it was, but it was horrible. Yeah, <laughs> it was wonderful and horrible yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was an Annie Lennox tune. 
Oh, be- yeah. Beautiful, beautiful, mm. beautiful tune. Yeah. Okay. All right. Stop it. <laughs> 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 well, anyway, I, I, uh, the new band, uh, I mean, I've been doing this for a few years. Uh-huh. Uh, the the Carwood Box, the 2013 record, is, is uh, I did it really because I was touring with Kevin. And mm-hmm. I wanted, I was doing two songs a night in our shows. And uh, I wanted to have a record I could sell at the gig. Right. And just about the time that he decided to do these tours on his own oh. without me is about oh. when I finished it. Huh. But uh, huh. so it has a lot. It has a kind of a folky uh, bent to it with uh-huh. with a you know a little bit of New Orleans, yeah, stuff undertones, yeah. and some Celtic stuff because that was what I did with Kevin. Do you have a drummer? Yes, Who on a few use? cuts. Who do you use? I did. Uh, well, Dan Stuber. The Trail uh-huh. Band is uh-huh. on some cuts. Uh-huh. Kip Richardson is yeah. on a couple of cuts. Yeah. Um, then I played a lot of stuff myself with the yeah. program programming the noises. Do, do you miss the Trail Band? Hell yeah! Okay, we did that for twenty five years. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, it was a lot of work for Marvin Rindy. Yeah, and they. Uh, there, there were the leaders, and they ca- they carried a lot of that stuff. And yeah. you know, yeah. the rest of us um, were uh, was it was a great ride. Well, you were the musical director, weren't you? I was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in the beginning, it had some meaning, but in later <laughs> years, uh, it, everybody everybody in the band was a band leader. Yeah. And so uh, it would you know I would you know I would kind of was Marv's right hand man in a lot of respects, but uh-huh. but. Uh, and I did some arrangements, and and uh, but so did Phil Newman. Did yeah. a bunch of arrangements yeah. and stuff. And I guess there's no sort of form of that band you could put back together without Marvin Rindy. No, that's right. And yeah, yeah. and it was God, you know, it was great, a great, uh, a great thing, and, and a tremendous audience. You know, we the band started as a, a stage play. Really? Yeah. Uh, Marv was hired to write the stage play about the uh, Oregon Trail, uh-huh. 150th anniversary. Uh-huh. So there was a stage play, and we were a on-stage sort of town square band, if you will, yeah. and members of the cast. Huh. And we did the stage play over a year or so, toured mm-hmm. it all around, and then people said, well, can you do the, keep doing the thing? Marv says, no, we're done with the play. Well, what about the band? Can they come play, you know? Uh-huh. Well, Marv says, well, it really isn't a band, you know, but, well... <laughs> Anyway, what about it? You know, so he called us up and we got together and he says, you know, people are asking for this. Yeah. Do you guys want to do some gigs? And we're going, okay. Oh, yeah. And that was, you know, that was in 93 probably. It's hard to turn down a gig. And so, you know, we did a few things and then the state of Oregon asked Marv to, to take the band to Japan. Wow. And so we did two weeks in Japan at a kind of a trade show thingy there. And that was really the crucible that made us a band, uh-huh. I think. Oh, sure. You know, it was sure. a blast. When a team goes on the road, a, a sports team goes on the road, yeah. that's, when they, that's when they bond. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we did that, and then we came home, we went, what else could we do with this, this kind of ensemble? We yeah. said we could make Christmas music, really uh-huh. good, interesting stuff. Uh-huh. We did the first record, it was instrumental, and we started doing shows, and it just took off from there. You yeah. Know? yeah. And uh, yeah. So 25 years later... Wow! But finally, finally, Marv says, Marvin Rindy said, "Okay, that's enough." Wow! It was a hell of a run. Yeah, 
I'm sure the audience is still out there for it if they, if, if they ever wanted to do it again. Yeah. Oh, well, it, we sold out, Tom, we sold out five shows at the Aladdin every year. Sold, yeah. Sold them out. Oh, I know. And, you I know, know, and that's what, 3,000 people? Yeah. Every year. Yeah. Plus shows in Forest Grove and, and uh-huh. the Dalles and Hood uh-huh. River and all uh-huh. the other places. And they uh-huh. were all, all always really well attended. Huh. Rabbit fans, so uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. If, if there was a reunion tour at some point next yeah. year, in fact, uh, a Willamette University choir director has asked a few of us to do uh-huh. to play with them, and it's it's going to be called I don't know Oregon the tra- uh, Oregon Sextet or Oregon Trail Sextet or something. Yeah. The six yeah. the six others. Yeah, you know, yeah. we'll do one show or two shows, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and we have permission to do that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, you know, a few years off, they just might come back mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, 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 and throw some money at you guys, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. Which is a great incentive. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it was a blast. And, yeah. you know, we were, we were uh, well paid and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, extremely well treated. They're wonderful band leaders. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And we've just become a big family, you know, because yeah. we've been doing it for so long. I had know? Marvin here. Oh, good. Before his gig here. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. Mm. Yeah, with the John Kuhn stuff. Right. Killer stuff. Uh, I know. Incredible. I know. Um, well, I, saw, I see you brought your guitar. Yeah. So are you going to sing something? I could. That would be good. All right. Well, well, hold on. Hold on. Hold on for a second. Yeah. Let's, let's, why don't you just tell us what you're going to do. We'll go out on that. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that will mean I'm going to have to turn these, one of these microphones around. Okay. <laughs> so what are you going to do? Uh, I'll do the tune that Richard and I wrote together. Yeah. Uh, more than any man. Okay. Uh, I've got a recording started of it for my next record. And uh, I wrote this, as I said, after encountering a guy that was sort of down on his luck. And it was the day um, that uh, the drummer in the band... Um, uh-huh. Leon Helm, the day that oh, Leon yeah, Helm yeah. died, yeah, and uh. it happened coincidentally. And so wow. I was thinking, I heard that, and I was thinking about what a great. Uh, yeah, he was always my favorite member of that, of that band. Yeah, yeah, what a great singer and an incredible groove, just a yeah. certain kind of groove. Yeah. So I started going, I want to write a song, in a kind of a uh-huh. a, a Levon groove. Yeah, and so I was thinking about that, and then I saw this guy, and the whole thing kind of started to tumble. All right, and, and it's so called? It's called More Than Any Man Could Ask. All right. So, yeah, um, singer-songwriter circle, uh, Monday the 3rd, uh, 7 o'clock show here. And uh, <clears throat> it'll be... A blast it always is. It's really, really fun. And we've, uh, there are some advanced tickets, so uh, you can get them at, uh, our our special guest this time is Denny Bigsby, who is very well known as as the the in-demand bass player in town, one of the best top guys. Um, uh, And, uh, but he's also a great singer-songwriter. And uh, so this is a tune called More Than Any Man Could Ask. Thank you for having me on the show. A lot of fun. 
Frank looks like a statue on that bench on Dover Street. He's got a nose in a book and a happy dog at his feet. Never has a cruel word or a cynical reply. But if you had to guess, it might be the best at the art of getting by. Just give me my pork pie hat and a bottle of hooch, a copy of The Grapes of Wrath. The company of a faithful pooch more than any man could ask. He don't talk about Vietnam or the Curry County Jail. He won't tell you that success in life is all about the way you fail. And ask him about the trial and why he copped a plea. Well, he doesn't say much, but when he does, he says, All I need is my pork pie hat and a bottle of hooch, a copy of The Grapes of Wrath, the company of a faithful pooch more than any man could ask. He don't need no. Cadillac, no chattering possessions, they're like monkeys on his back. He don't need no alligator shoes. When your pockets are empty, you got nothing left to lose. Yeah, nothing left to lose. checks in once a month it's always on the first she'll say frank was no blue ribbon bow yeah but nowhere near the worst and she tells him that the sheriff died and that billy sold the bins <laughs> frank says no just keep the dough cause you can't go home again and give me my pork pie hat and a bottle of hooch a copy of the grapes of wrath Company of a faithful pooch more than any man could ask. Give me my pork pie hat and a bottle of hooch, a copy of the grapes of wrath. The company of a faithful pooch more than a man, yeah, more than any man could ask. More than any man could ask. Could ask.